There is no fate but what we make for ourselves. Episode one, two, three, and it's me, Gary P. And of course, the Prof. Carroll. Yeah. That pretty cool, isn't it? Hello again. Uh, yeah, so we're back again, and um, we the latest instalment of our Rovers Player of the Year series. We interview Mick Bourne, probably the best hair I've ever seen in the eighties. Some the tightest shorts, and uh, he won the Fans Award nineteen eighty eight, and Shane Robinson, who received received the prize in two thousand and two. So our current. Um, Academy director Robbo, he will be on the show as well. Yeah, we're also going to reveal the results of our survey we did at the end of last year. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, I had this ready to go along with our Finn Harps review a couple of months ago, but then that game never happened, and then just kept putting it off ever since. This stuff is yeah. really, really informative as well mm-hmm. because it gives us an idea of what people want, what people hate. Um, this is the reason we're on Spotify. Mm-hmm. Pretty much, this this survey isn't. It? And why we started a Patreon. And why we started a Patreon, yeah. So, um, yeah, they're really, really informative. Yeah, people didn't hold back on this one. Like, there were a lot of great compliments, but at the same time, they told us what they didn't like as well. Yeah, they told me, uh, they, they pretty much said that I'm, I'm the coolest host on the show. So. That, that didn't happen. <laughs> well, yeah, so people loved the piece of Shazzy on the last show. And Eamon said this, you'd swear Gary Shaw was following Rovers his whole life, listening to the passion he has. Great interview and great to hear he's still in touch with players and management. Um, yeah. Shazzy was great oh, he was brilliant he, he really was so he's uh, I was actually taken aback by how passionate he was about oh, Roberts. taken aback at how vivid his memory was he must have loved that season because think about it like you're not going to forget it constantly playing and even when he was talking about doing bikies and I was thinking to myself what what was that and then I was watching back the Dundalk I just happened to be watching the ultras started a thread on the four on Twitter, right? Yeah. And it was just all deadly goals that we've scored. And I think the one of them was a highlight package of when we beat Dundalk and Shawzy whacking in bicycles from nearly the edge of the box. It was actually a deadly save from Rogers. Was that a save or hit the cross? It was a save, definitely yeah. a save down to his right hand side. It was class. And yeah, no, I only caught what he meant shortly afterwards. Yeah, <laughs> and I remember, the, actually I the the. The commentator made a point of it. He says Shaw deserved it for all the hard work he put in that day. He'd been yeah. a menace, I think he said, all day. I remember saying to him on Twitter, he said, more bicycle kicks, please. Yeah. And he that? wrote back, he was like, was it, yeah, no bother. They seem to be a crowd pleaser. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, top class stuff. We we had our Sweet 16 replay. Uh, so we, we had a Facebook stream of when we won our 16 league title at the Carlisle Grounds 2010. And this is my first time in ages seeing this Shazzy's chance for Bray. Oh, I haven't seen right it at the end. Ages. This was literally the last kick of the game. The last kick of the game was Gary Shaw true on goal, one on one with Adam Manis, and he scuffed it. I genuinely don't think I can remember this because I wouldn't have watched this back. And 
we were there at the time, so holy shit. The view wouldn't be great from the car. I have to check back this. I have to check yeah. back on that. He held the fade. Was it that bad one on one? It was. He nice one, Shazzy. Nice one. He held the fade of Michael O'Neill era in his hands. And uh, I remember when he was he was in Johnny Blues. Remember he said he was coming off the pitch. He got a few digs. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I'd say one of them was Farky. Probably chasing after him. Probably Christmas tree. God, my Christmas tree, yeah. Um, it was cool as well seeing like the celebrations afterwards. You had... You had Brads are up on Aiden Price's shoulders. You had the senior manager and the B manager. You had all these academy coaches: Baker, Rice, Flynn, our future academy coaches. Does this happen anywhere else? Like, I mean, have you seen this happen anywhere else now, where previous players have come to the fore in coaching and management? Like, I don't think I've seen it any any other place in the league world. It happens here and there, but I've never seen such a collective. But like, there's two sides to the coin here. Whereas some would say it's jobs for the boys, who obviously that's mm. other league of Ireland clubs. But we look at it and say, well, they're all. It's a collective here. Like they've, they've all grown and played together. They all know each other's strengths and qualities, and then they've come together to, to bring to, to make Rovers better. Like, yeah. Plus the likes of Ricer and Baker had great league of Ireland careers. They're not just like average players. Like exactly, our youngsters would want to like get insight from these people. Plus we have Shazzy coming on the next away bus as well. Really? Yeah, I've convinced him. He says he can't wait. Um. Yeah. So he was top top lad. Really was. Um. On the other hand, as well, a few listeners told us that Alan Bourne was not being entirely truthful about his departure at the Shells in '94. Mm-hmm. So, uh, were we any comments on that? Uh, they were kind of off the record comments. Um. Yeah. I, what I thought of. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what to think really when I listen back to Alan, because I wasn't really around at the time and I, I wouldn't have experienced it. But like some of our more um, weathered fans, you could say like mm-hmm. Jason Maloney and Ray Whelan will probably inform us and let us know what they really thought of that interview. But uh, so well, a couple well, of people. Paul on the Robbers Farm, he felt that he ducked my question when I asked him specifically why he he moved, and. He said he was kind of open about that kind of Linfield was built for financial reasons, but then when it came to leaving Rovers, he didn't feel he was being truthful about why he left. But there you go. So there we go. I love, I love these bits of trivia, by the way, on League of Ireland players' Wikipedia pages. <laughs> Just at the bottom for Alan Byrne says, he is married to Lisa Whiteburn, the owner of Ireland's first juice detox company, Used to go. <laughs> Very good. Yeah. There you go. Random. Um, I always presume it's the player themselves just adding this in. Or just a friend. <laughs> yeah, someone doing their Wikipedia page. Like, yeah. Can we go on to Wikipedia now and edit like Twiggy's page? Oh, yeah. Anyone can. Anyone, yeah. Uh, listen, newest listener, Paul. Prof, uh, Paul, Shelbourne fan, and he says he loves how we hammer the jippos. Which we do. We do hammer the jippos, don't we? Certainly do. Deservedly so as well. Um, they have a wrestler in their ranks now as well as a fan. I think I noticed the video on Twitter as well. They've, uh, I can't even remember his name, but he's like in and around the Irish scene as well. He's been running around in his spandex. More reasons to uh, slag balls. Grown men running around in their pants. Telling you, wrestling is real. Um, it's real to me, damn it. <laughs> So yeah, that's Paul, Shelbourne fan. Loves it. 
uh, Sweet 16 again Prof Rewind Facebook and um, you were talking about it with Padjo and James Chambers sent their memories in Rovers also showed a replay of the Raven Drake game I thought Chambers was brilliant he spoke really well and that's definitely he was young player of the year so that's another one we're going to be looking at he was transfixed by the dressing room beforehand yeah I love that type of insight you know I love the inside info like transfers and little bits mm. of trivia and snippets here and there I love what's going on pre-game rituals stuff like that like before the Belgrade game and what music was being played I love all that stuff man. absolutely mm. adore it Marcelo still has Padjo's jersey from that game yeah, did um Saki was really good that guy. Sean O'Connor. Yeah. He had a rasp of a shot. He was dicing. I think he was he would have been on the right, I think, cutting in on Marcelo. And he cut yeah. he cut in once or twice and he was doing really well. Yeah, Marcelo was actually complimentary towards Saki afterwards. Yeah, he did he did really well. So he has Padro's jersey and still he can't put in a good word and get Ronaldo to reply to him on Twitter. It's been a long time. Ten years. Still won't reply to them. It's gonna happen eventually, you know. Oh, that, that and it's gonna be epic. Only eleven years now. Uh, yeah. So we're we're sparse on news, but we're gonna make a work, prof. Because there's fucking nothing happening. Um, other news. We've seen Brad's on Northern AM. So he was talking about the club as a whole and the league and what we have to do to kind of just progress. Um, it's it must be tough going for. Uh, Obviously, it's tough for everybody in this situation, but the likes of the players as well, who who don't, we spoke about this before, who don't have a release at the end of the week, it must be hard for them to stay fit and motivated knowing there's no actual game coming up. Mm. So that's the one thing that I'd, I'd be worried about the players is, and like even if you want to go, we, we, had, this, we had this argument. I, I got a little bit hammered on one of the group chats. Define hammered. As regards to my opinion on closed doors football whereas I just hate and detest the whole idea of it I think football with fans is nothing but it mm. sound cheesy but if it has to happen I can understand that there has to be rules and regulations mm. but I just don't see how the FAI mm. can endorse this and get it right when they can't even get their own back garden sorted and then you're going to have the HSC who are probably struggling as it is to deal with this whole situation are they going to send staff to do this or are we going to do it ourselves and the whole structure has to be redone I just think I think for the sake of it maybe financially is a thing as well like there's so many aspects to it mm. but I just do not think like for instance let's say there's a, let's say the cases and the debts keep going and we are due to play what what's the date 26th of June whatever it is I think everybody can admit the June thing isn't happening yet, yeah, but, so, but, but July is when like sport can kind of tentatively come back isn't right it? so let's say July 26 for example but what if the cases still keep coming and people still pass like if, let's say a week beforehand 12 people pass away and you have a couple mm. more cases are they still going to actively go about that that's what know? I'm fascinated about like like, are we going to be playing a game of football behind closed doors on the same day as people pass away and there's new death and there's new cases announced? That's that's what I'm I saying. Know, I'm intrigued by, like, at what point do we consider us to have nearly gotten over? Like, does it have to be, like, two straight weeks of zero deaths or zero cases? That's what you'd realistically need, yeah. though, wouldn't you, to kind of feel com- comfortable and confident about having a game of football? Well, the Germans are actually... Resume on their season next week. 
Germans are a different breed altogether though you know what I mean that's now is if fair enough I'm happy enough to have some football back and let's hopefully no one else kind of gets it contracts it but <coughs> over here I just I mean we've we've already it might things might as well go back to normal at the minute the way I'm seeing it because everybody is out everybody social distancing has gone out the window as far as I'm concerned it's gone definitely even on the way over here this morning uh, 7 o'clock in the morning it's 8 o'clock now half a coming over here there's the streets are packed there was traffic I can even feel a different mentality when I walk past people as opposed to 3 weeks ago I remember 3 weeks ago I'd be walking down the footpath and somebody would like cross the road to avoid me and like there's not as much of that happening now no it's not it's it's just I just think that the whole closed door situation if it comes to a, a stage where we have to do it fair enough but I just don't have faith in the people who are trying to implement it that they can get it right it's a farce the FAI are a farce we know that yeah so we'll move on now and um, the Brad's are we spoke about Brad's are uh, Boiler Suits and Sligo Prof they made the pages 442 magazine where did I get them again I got them for free a guy in uh, Texas on Facebook I think it was and he said I've a load of them there do you want them I said yes give us them guy in Texas yeah no yeah. no and, uh, and he texted us on he messaged oh, okay. us on Facebook I think it was I met him down at Brickfields in Drimna gave me 30 suits load of face masks I was deadly dished them out in Carrick on Shannon <laughs> remember the pub in Carrick on Shannon Oh man, stopped serving after half an hour. <laughs> Mayhem. Oh god. Mayhem. But uh, yeah, look the biz, so delighted they made it into there. Um finally got the Hugh Dallas story from Jason Maloney as well, publishing a Celtic fanzine, fanzine. Uh excellent stuff from Jason Maloney. Uh, as usual. Very truthful and honest. Yeah, that's a great reader, right? I'd recommend that one. Excellent stuff, really was. <laughs> yeah, I still think this is a little bit of truth left out. <laughs> Remember he was our first ever guest in Johnny Blues Bar and he I'll never forget this. He expertly evaded the question when we asked him about you does. Never ever forget it. This is all before he nearly died. Cause he had we he drank all the bummers and then he went on to Guinness and then he choked to death on a Guinness. Ah, some man. So, uh, other news, some great nostalgia in the papers. I'm sure you've been reading bits of it yourself, Gare. Yeah. But uh, the last few weeks, the Herald had Dublin hot shots, which I thought was cool. Part 7 was about Tata. So, it was talking about like notable players who grew up there. Robbie Keane, Jason Byrne, his cousin, all that. Brad's I saw the Dublin 7 one, actually, as well. Yeah, I know it was yeah, that. I didn't read that one, actually. <laughs> uh, so, fascinating by Aidan Vismaris. Uh, he also had a piece on Stephen Kenny's ill-fated reign as Rower's boss in 2012. I didn't see that one. I'm interested in that now. And the link went up in the chat, actually. It's just some free view thing that you can you can read articles on. But some articles. And what did he make? Was it, was it a fly on the wall or was it an opinionated piece on Kenny's departure? Uh, there was like some quotes from Kenny at the time. But all the quotes from players... They weren't named. So it was like... One player said. Yeah, it was like a 2012 squad member said. So it was... It really cut to the bone, some of the comments. So, a shaven head, Northern yeah. Ireland, underage international. <laughs> His name is Tris Kerner. <laughs> it rhymes with burner. 
So in one sense, like maybe you're you're getting more insight that way. On the other hand, it's not like Tata time. Like we had a whole chapter on that, where like McDara actually sat down with Stephen Kenny for hours. And there's so Kenny from, sat down for hours, and how yeah. many minutes did Michael O'Neill sit down for? Uh, zero again. Zero minutes. Yeah. Yeah, I suppose it's, there's pros, pros and cons of uh, not naming the players, unnamed sources, whatever. But so we start a survey here. Yes, I haven't. I haven't seen any of the results. I kind of know most of them, but I don't know the finished yeah. article which I'm about to hear. So this is all virgin you, you stuff. You had you had to skim through it a few weeks into it. Yeah, so yeah. I wouldn't have seen yeah. the finished article. Yeah. <clears throat> so we got two hundred and thirteen responses. That's 203 hoops and 7 hoopettes. A little so. bit upset with that now. I thought more yeah. would have done it. I remember, the, I think it was 10 hoopettes in our first survey. So. Yeah. We're losing yeah. our sex appeal here, bro. Yeah. <laughs> so, 203 and, and 7 obviously doesn't add up to 213. So, some people didn't want to say. And uh, one female fan said she actually has always hated the term hoopette. But Ooh. listen, we wrote it that way. To avoid a gender minefield. Yes, exactly. you You know what I'm talking about. Exactly. So, question two. What's the what's the middle ground there? Just steer clear, Gary. <laughs> steer clear. Let's not get into this. Okay, so question two. How old are you? So, 28% are in their 20s. 23 are in their 30s. 22% in their 40s. And the next highest... Was fifty so teenagers is a handful of sixty year olds older as well so it's pretty much spread well across the board there isn't it? Yeah. There's no um, no one's kind of racing off in the polls there. Question three was where do you live? So the vast majority was Dublin, obviously, but we got got a few interesting places. We got a Warsaw, London, oh. New York, Boston, Alabama, two we, two in Vancouver. We could possibly name. Yeah. Okay, Warsaw, no idea. London. Oh, I'm not sure. New York, I'm guessing. London is... could be Gary Warren. Yeah. I'm guessing New York is... I think Bobby Fitzgerald was in Vancouver, but he came home. Yeah. Sydney, we know them. That could be Ray or... Uh, where, yeah. Where's Dan Fulham? Dan Fulham is Melbourne. Yeah. Queen, I don't know. Got a Brisbane, Perth, San Sebastian. Oh, very a, nice. A cabin. Cavan, yeah, how yeah. exotic. <laughs> <laughs> Gaza, I don't know if that one's real. San Francisco, Clonmel, Leash. Tipperary Hoop. Yeah, Leash, Port Leash, Coventry, Krakow, Melbourne, and one person in that lawn. There we go. I actually met that. I met that lawn fan in the shop. He's actually a security guard, and he saw the tattoo on my leg. He goes, I'm a big lawn. Excuse the accent, I don't know how to do an Athlone accent. He's a big Rovers fan. Says, yeah, yeah, yeah. You fuckers used to throw stones at us in the 80s. <laughs> I said, it wasn't me. He said, don't blame me. He said, ah, but you're all good lads, but we had the old scraps, which is for years. <laughs> I thought it was great. Sitting there chatting with him for ages about football. Yeah. And he, I said to him, Jesus, I I, funny enough, I was only looking at the Athlone book, was it? Or was he Athlone? What was it? Athlone? Monaghan? It was at Lone and Monaghan. Either way, he said we were throwing fucking stones at them. But it was it, Roddy got who did Roddy get up in two thousand twelve? Was it Monaghan or at Lone? Monaghan, yeah. Right, it was a Monaghan fan then because I was saying that to him about about it. And I said, Jesus, Roddy, two thousand twelve. I was only looking at the book there. I said Palomine uh, has every book ever. 
and he was going fucking gangster absolute <laughs> gang he was giving out stink about Roddy the conversation took a turn so just just to clarify the Monaghan accent in Ulster is the same as the Atlon accent alright oh, listen it's a, yeah I actually should have went a little <laughs> bit higher there for the Monaghan accent yeah yeah. your man Ross in the far provinces he's from Atlon isn't he Ross yeah, yeah. where's the the sailors at <laughs> who got just as drunk as us at the 100 show you notice that yeah. our goal when they get pissed with you um, actually big shout out to the four provinces once again I actually got a case of the stuff delivered and uh, the puddle is actually nicer in a can and that's what he said when he delivered it he was like gonna say it right now nicer in a can and I said not a chance there's no way it's nicer in a can than on draft it is unbelievable out of a can it's deadly they have a new one called gob fluck which I think is what wet mouth it means and uh, that's like a coffee tasting ale it's a crazy, crazy like flavour of it. I got loads of stuff. 50 quid delivered to the house, 24 cans of it. It's all gone now. I'm just looking around here to see how many Gar brought for me. I and I don't see drank any. 15 cans of bottle in, in the, the night I got them. Garrett didn't even bring his co-host any cans of They're bottle. only small. They're only small little fellas they were. But uh, yeah, delicious stuff, man. Uh, yeah, so check out. I think it's in Super Value, and they do deliveries from their uh, from their brewery. So you're getting it straight from. Oh, no, what do you brew it in? A barrel? Is it a barrel? I think they brew it in the puddle pond itself. In the puddle, all the, the corner, all the trolleys from Tesco in mm. it. Uh Frogland. Right. So what else we got? We question four. This is where we felt the love. So complete this sentence. I like tales from the East End because. So here's a select few answers, Prof. It's good crack, informative, edgy, and not the normal football podcast. Also really well structured. It's two Rovers lads talking shite once a week. Perfect. Uh, it's the best fan-owned podcast in Ireland. Everything, all Rovers, four Rovers. And it has brought the fan base close together. Fun interviews are top-notch and Winston is a fucking legend. I'd say Winston wrote that himself. <laughs> I'm blushing here, guys. Some some jokey answers too. At least I hope they're jokey answers because one thing I learned from this survey, Garrett, is that a few of you out there are absolutely obsessed with me. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I'm actually frightened. Just random shit like about me eating burgers, my cat. That was very funny. And when it, when it was said, I cracking up because and you're conscious of it now as well. <laughs> So if you've ever noticed, right, Prof loves eating burgers all over the country. He'll eat it with one hand. So most people eat burgers with two hands. The Prof will eat it with the one. It's because my phone is on my other hand. For some reason. Yeah, is that what it is, the phone? But he'll eat it with one hand. And sometimes he might struggle. Who noticed that? Was it Tony? I don't know. Was it Jimmy or something? Uh, ask him why he only eats a burger <laughs> with one hand. Yeah, a few comments about my cat as well. She hasn't made an appearance in a while now. Yeah, your cat can fuck off. Scrape me. Right, question, question five. What other League of Ireland podcasts do you frequently listen to? So 32% said greatest league in the world, or at least they used to listen to that. It's gone now, sadly. Next highest was LOI Weekly, 27%. And then the next highest was 16% who said they'd listen to no other podcasts aside from errors. Hashtag Tifty's loyal. Mm. Uh, yeah, that's um, I I love it. Weekly, I think it's really good. Um, 
they've they've been continuing on through this as well, haven't they? Yeah. They're actually more frequent than us. I think we I think we started at the same time as them. We did so possibly in if you the look at the numbers if you look at the numbers until this pandemic started, I think our numbers were very similar. Yeah. And then they what was it? We on when the off season now we only do monthly shows that so kind of deviates it. down a bit as well. So question question six, six then uh, when do you start listening? Sixty four percent two thousand seventeen the first year, twenty four percent said two thousand eighteen and the rest were all last year as well. So a couple of new listeners. Mm-hmm. Question seven was how do you listen? So a little over half of you said SoundCloud, twenty eight percent said Apple. If you can listen there anymore, we got the boo. Remember that? Yeah, the fuck yeah. sell. Uh, SoundCloud, like it was it, glitchy. I think to say the least. Uh, it can be a bit problematic as well. Like for instance, let's say you're listening to Tales from the East End, and you're twenty minutes in, you might exit over to do something else, and then when you go back in, you might forget. You might forget one minute you're on, and then it starts mm. again. Like that. That's something that really annoyed me about, which I know has happened to be. Yeah, I am actually enjoying that about Spotify because. Last podcast on the left had moved to Spotify. Yeah. And with other podcasts, like I'd, I'd download them and I'd have to write in my phone where I left off. With Spotify, I'd just stop it and I'd open it again. It's just seamless, isn't it? And it just carries on. I was like, oh, it's, it's perfect. Yeah. But in saying that, I opened it up this morning. I was in the mood for a bit of Kamasi Washington and it's not working in the slightest. Spotify? No, it's fucked. It's gone. It's not working. I don't <laughs> know what's going on. It won't play music. But, uh, so other than those two, um, because this the survey took place before we moved, before we joined Spotify. So a few votes here and there for Overcast, Player FM, Podcast Addict, Podcast Republic, Podcast Player, TuneIn, Stitcher, Acast, Beyond Pod, Google Podcast, Pocket Cast, Podbean and Castbox. That's it. That's them all. Not <sighs> now. I think you missed a few, Prof. Um, That's what all good platforms, all available on them as well. Are we available on all those? Pretty much. Yep. Um... Yeah, so question A. Yeah, so when it's uploaded to Spotify, do you intend to listen there instead? Nearly 50% said yes. So um, straight off the bat, that was a, a no-brainer. Half our listeners want to listen online on Spotify. So yep. uh, we had to go for that. Uh, question 9. How many episodes did you listen to in 2019? So 45% said they listened to all of them. 41% said they listened to most of them. 45%. Tifty's loyal again. Mm-hmm. Question 10. Did the length of an episode put you off listening to any of them? Oh. Um, 22% said yes. Uh, yeah, I don't see that type of thing. Like, if, if I'm interested in a topic, I don't mind the length. Like, last podcast on the left was, I think, what, what was the JFK episodes? Five-parter? Six-parter? Yeah. I'm All on. over an hour and a half. I'm only on part four now. They, they fly by though. Nah, they fly by. Like, if you're interested in a subject, I don't think you'll mind, and you give it a go. And if you start to get bored from it, fair enough. But Some of our listeners have said before, they, they break up the longer ones. Yeah, because sometimes you just haven't got three hours to listen to a podcast straight. Like, it's, it is, it's tough mm. enough. But, uh, yeah, so we're going to do the rest later. But first, we have... Uh, the, I don't even know how to describe him anymore. He's he's just a, the Rovers legend. It's Mick Bourne. Okay, we're joined now by Hoops legend Mick Bourne. And Mick, you're probably used to being asked about the glory years of all the, the four in a row, but this is our Player of the Year series. And uh, you won that club yeah. award back in 1987 88, a very controversial season. So 
today might not be the most pleasant interview in terms of memories, but what what was the mood like amongst the players going into the start of that campaign, given all that was going on with the sale of Glenmore Park? Yeah, we we were kind of, I, I suppose, left in the dark a little bit. You know, there was always there, there's been lo- there was lots of talk about it and whatever, and different things might happen, and you know, um. Talking about selling the ground, talking about building another ground behind the scenes. This is what we we all thought. Like that, that okay, the maybe the front part might be, you know, we'd knock the wall and knock a wall down and, and go into the Jesuits at the back or wherever. You know, I, we didn't really know. We were we were basically in the dark at the time, and it was it was a, it was a strange one. And right to the end, it was very strange for us. We'd still. Uh kept that famous team together aside from maybe Dermot Keeley he had hung up his boots but it was essentially the same team with a few additions the likes of Vinnie McCarthy Joe Hanrahan Paul Carlyle uh, Keeley yeah. famously just wanted to focus on the football side of things and he supported the move to the so-called uh, stadium in the future but going in did you feel like this team was going to carry on winning trophies or did you think that this dark cloud hanging over you would eventually affected dressing room I just, I just felt at the time that you know that the team that we had and it did, with the additions he's, he added to it I really thought that we could push on and, and win more trophies to be honest with you we had a great bunch of lads and you know there was there's something about about Chamac Rovers at the time is um, that your eyes open to uh, when you when you arrive there that like it's it's like as I, I spoke to somebody the other day about it just like somebody pulled the cords and you're in this you're in this thing Shamrock Rovers like a big huge bubble and you know it's unbelievable and you know I, I just looked at like what McLaughlin had done and and how players reacted to what McLaughlin done and I suppose I, I got, got involved as well and reacted to what he wanted of me and, and then Dermot took over and I could see his vision for where the team was going on the other side of it uh, I know I think Dermot might have gone into a, a, a few rows here and there with people about about what was happening behind the scenes um, but I think he, his, his, you know, they, they pulled the wool over his eyes as well to say like this is this is the way it's going to happen. This is what we're going to do. We're going to do this. And we're going to we're going to build and we're going to you know we're going to have a new stadium and this and but you know that never as you know never materialised. And I think I think everybody was you know the the wool was pulled over their everybody's eyes. You know, so the boycott was was obviously hitting the club's finances uh, pretty hard. McCarthy, who I mentioned a minute ago, for example, he went straight back to Waterford. So, like, how how clued in were you personally as to what was going on with Cram, the picket lines and the protests against the Kilcoins, the anger from the supporters? Would you talk to fans about it at the time? Yeah, 100%. 100%. I think at that time, I mean, were there, I don't know if it was... It was Every other club were were so close to the supporters. We were absolutely so so close to the supporters. Like from from the time I went there, um, we were always close to the supporters. Um, and I always felt that you know you could talk, you could sit down talk to a supporter without anybody slagging you around like that or, or having a go at you. They never really did have a go at us. I suppose the, the team that we had with a with an excellent team and, and and for the years that I was there, you know, um. We 
we could talk to them and even right up to the last the last game you know um that I, we played in against Sligo uh, you know you could talk to them and sit back and, and all the all the, the players well most of the players were were you know were saying this is terrible like this is terrible what's happened to the club like at the end of the day we have to get on and do a job and I under oh I definitely understood why Cram was put together and all that sort of because I, I I I just thought it was it was crazy what 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 the people were trying to do with Jamie Grover's you know absolutely crazy and you know uh, for us for us as a team we were kind of saying Jesus like what do we do how, how are we going to go about this how what's how is this going to happen how you know what's going to happen are we are we going to get a new stadium like in you know, you, you would think you'd get a new stadium in the in the year or so, but that was never going to happen. And when we moved to Talca Park, it was oh Jesus, it was it was dreadful. Like the 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 supporters outside, and I remember being walking outside and talking to these guys to have the placards up and all this, you know. And and they were honestly they're quite good to me. The supporters were quite good to me, but and I think they understood like that, you know. Uh, players have to play for the club, or else we'd probably get just thrown out of the league if we didn't play. I don't know. I really don't. So it was, it was a really hard time. So describe what it was like to go from the great times at Milltown only a few months previously to these surreal circumstances. Suddenly playing a home game against Shelburne in front of a mere two hundred people at Tulka Park. Absolutely dreadful. Absolutely dreadful. We, we, we were, we were, in my eyes, as a team, probably not the best team, and not, not the best players in the country, but a great team. So we worked for each other, and like that, we we had so many good times. Absolutely, so many good times. You are really well looked after as a as a team. The, like the club really looked after us, and I don't mean in money, but everything else after it. Like the way we were treated, you know, we'd have the the best bus going to to Limerick or Cork or whatever. We'd be, be travelling, be you know, really good, well looked after. After games in Milltown, we were brought up for a meal, stuff like that. We were always well looked after, and. You know, is it? It was a buzz at the time. It was just a buzz, and you're winning games, and you know, winning cups and winning leagues, and it was just a buzz at the time. And then this just hits you, like, and you know, you're. It's like my God, somebody sat there taking the air out of the the ball, like you know what I mean? It was it was just dreadful, absolutely dreadful. And I really think that 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 team could have went on and won. You know, because we were quite young at the time, as you, as you, you know, uh, some of the lads had went to Derry and won, won leagues in Derry and that. Like I, I had left and I'd gone to Den Haag, and um, but it was it was just crazy at the time, and it was a sickening feeling going and training and then playing in front of two hundred people was was like we were going to. Like this, is like a training session to us, like going and 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 playing in front of two hundred people is absolutely dreadful, dreadful. Uh, I I think I, re- I remember the I think the first game we played in Talca Park, I scored a goal. I didn't know what to do. We we just didn't you, you didn't know where to celebrate. You're running back to the halfway line. Normally you'd celebrate with the supporters, and you know for for me. 
for me, especially as a as a as a goal scorer, or a, you know, um, you would want to celebrate with the with the supporters, and that was just even non event. Like you just scored a goal, and lads would be coming over, high fiving you, or whatever, and you just uh, just run back to the halfway line and tip off and start again. It was just well, it wasn't nice. No, it really, was not nice. It was obviously a disappointing season. Roberts finished fourth and there was a shock defeat to First Division UCD in the FEI Cup. I know, I know you were gone at that stage, but yeah. we were actually still in the title race, surprisingly, right up until the last few weeks of the season. Yeah, yeah, it was, there were, yeah, things have changed a bit. I mean, even things have changed in the dressing room a little bit, you know, and there was talks of, it kind of, there was talks of players moving on and leaving and stuff like that and it kind of dwindled out a bit like that and I don't think I don't think the players had a heart for it I don't think the players had it you know because we've always we've all like when we were in Milltown we knew we actually knew going out onto the pitch and this is not being big header on the top not whatsoever you, you talk to any of the players we knew going out that we could be at least a goal up because of the supporters that were out there we did a thousand people. We reckon every time we played, at least a thousand people watching us, willing, willing us to score, score, score a goal, score a goal early, whatever, to go and win a game. And you had, you you got that many people out there just, you know, basically helping you. You know, it was it was unbelievable at Milltown, like just unbelievable at Milltown. And and when you got, when you didn't have that. You didn't have that edge over everybody. We always believed that when we were in Milltown that, you know, other teams coming to Milltown would be nearly frightened coming to Milltown because of what we have. We did great pitch, brilliant supporters, and a really, really good team. Um, we did three things that you would want as, as a club. is a, a, a really good pitch, great supporters, and a really good team, and that's that's half the battle. And you know, not having that, not having one of those things missing. Talca Park wasn't at the time wasn't half as good as Milltown to play on. So you're missing, you're missing, you know, uh, at least a, a third of you know what gets you there gone, totally gone. So. That's that's the way I felt about it. You scored a hat-trick in a 7-1 win over Bray. So by now you were attracting interest from abroad. I think you, you already told that great Feyenoord story in the podcast, scoring the hat-trick mm. in the friendly with a, with a few beers in you. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, exactly. You ended up joining Den Haag in January and you spent the mm. rest of the 87-88 season with them. So what was it like over there? Well, to be honest with you, it was something that I, you know, I'd... I'd gone on. I'd gone on trial with Feyenoord, and as I told you the story about that. Um, but um, we had a there was a lad that, that he was an agent, um, Dutch lad, uh, Chris Turing, and he he kind of was on the on phone asked me to go and whatever. And hold on for a sec. And I just um, a young lad is in the background here shouting and balling. Um, yeah, so I, I basically uh, he was on the phone to me 
and he was saying, look, you know, um, this team is is looking to, to to look at you and whatever. And I went to Feyenoord, done the trial with them, had a bit of an injury, but anyway, I ended up in Den Haag. To be honest with you, I'd say if if I was still at Milton, I would have never left. I had never left. There was no, no nobody going to take me. Now again, it was full time football. I don't think, I don't think I would have went to Holland. To be honest with you, I, I you know, the, the my next move would that definitely would have been England, or where I wanted to go, but not Holland. And it it ended up. I, I stayed there for a couple of months, and that that was it. I wasn't I wasn't feeling to be honest over there, you know. But it was something that I kind of. It was nearly pushed in my face, like I had to do it, like you know. Uh, wasn't wasn't happy playing. Wasn't happy playing my football. I was, was probably suffering. I you know, I just felt I, I needed to move then, you know. And uh, but I would say that um, I definitely wouldn't have left Rovers at that time for Den Haag, uh, one hundred percent. But only for the the situation we were in. I did. Uh, there was no Player of the Year awards ceremony that 87-88 season, understandably. Uh, the Shamrock Rovers Supporters Club made a special presentation to you instead. Did that p- take place when you came home yeah. in the summer for your brief second spell yes. with the club? And what do you remember from it? That's right. Oh, again, it was it was one of those things where there's a there's a trophy, whatever. You know, and it was it was really, really down, uh, played down, whatever. You know, so it, it just didn't feel like it. Uh, it didn't feel like I hadn't won anything. It was just somebody giving you another uh, a trophy where it didn't feel like, you know, didn't feel anything. You know, I, I would have preferred to be at the club and all the all the players around that I'd been playing with and whatever, and them around. You know, because when you get player of the year or anything like that it's 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 not about it's not it wouldn't have been about me it would have been about the players like that helped me do what i done you know and so i would have enjoyed to to celebrate with them as well you know but it was it was something that you know at the time i didn't didn't even really think about and you know it wasn't one of those things that i was i was jumping over to jumped out the railings for a rant like that you know it was just one of those things you know yeah it wasn't it wasn't something that you know or even thought i should i won or anything like that because you don't feel that you know you don't feel that it was actually the first you've been you've been there a few years and you've had some great seasons you'd won the uh soccer writers personality of the year award you won the pfei year award yet that was the first mm. time you won the club award uh yeah. from the fans yeah, yeah, the really good. Uh, you know, I, 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 I had a really decent, I had a really decent. Uh, we say season with everything that went on. I had a really decent season. Uh, play, I was playing really well, and uh, just it's one of those things. Like as I said, you know, I really felt I could have. We could that that team could have went on and won some more medals and more cups you know and it was just like a slap in the face you know uh, yeah well, it wasn't a nice time maybe maybe the supporters will get together some night and we'll we'll have a night out and <laughs> <laughs> celebrate it a little bit <laughs> well, we, need, we need something to do yeah, yeah. But, uh, 
Remarkably, you, you played in the club's first home game at Talca Park, Dedimount Park, yeah. and the RDS, all within the space of That's a few right. years, despite having yeah. gone away to Holland and Huddersfield in between. Yeah. So, you know all about these nomadic years between Milltown and Talca. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, it, it was funny. I mean, we, I, you know, we, the last game we played uh, in Milltown was against Lugan. I scored the last goal in that. Uh, we drew one all against Lloyd and I scored the last goal at Milltown and I remember then the the first time we played in Talca I played in that first time in, in Daily Mount Park I played in that and the first time in the RDS I played in that uh, so yeah it was a, just a mad time Like a, a, I think in my whole career I signed, signed for Shamrock Rovers four times <laughs> so it's it was mad it was just it's just a place I wanted to be, and you know I'd been I'd been with Bowes early early on in my career, and then went to Shelbourne where I uh, I, I really, really enjoyed Shelbourne. I, I think that's where I, everything started kicking into place for me, and then uh, and once I went to Rovers, that was it. Then it was it was like I've I had made it, like you know, as such, you know. And then again, it took me a, it took me a while to get to, to actually get to the pace of what it was all about and how, how the how the team played and, and the actual you have to get a Jamak Rovers and you know, you're you're basically told like this is it, this is what it's all about. Some some players arrive at uh, at uh Shamrock Rovers and think, Oh this is it, I've made it. Definitely not. That doesn't happen. That doesn't happen. You have to make it yourself and and you have to have players around you that are going to push you along and I, I definitely had had a lot of players when I when I think about the team. Um some unbelievable players. The likes of Pat Bourne kind of put me in my place one day and, you know, as I said, it was it was like the curtains just opened, the light came in and I was told like this is the way it's done here. And you just have to get on with it. And when you get on with it it's it's the best place in the world. Your goal against Dundalk in the 1987 FEI Cup final. That had actually been Robert's last goal in a cup final mm. for 32 years until Aaron yeah. McInef put away that penalty at the Aviva mm. in November. Yeah. Extraordinary long time. So were you there yourself mm. that day and how I happy was. were you to see the, the end of the cup famine? It was absolutely brilliant. And I'll, I'll, I'll give you the story. We, myself, uh, no Larkin was home. Uh, Pat Bourne, Myself, Pat Bourne and Noel Larkin were actually invited by Ray to come uh, to the suite up above and um, I had got, I, had, I normally look after a couple of, couple of lads, I, I rang the FAI and the FAI in fairness to them gave me uh, a load of um, tickets. So I rang all the players, the, the, the John Cody, the Hardy Kennys, you know, Mick Neville, all, all the boys, Peter Eccles and all, rang the whole lot of them and said, look, I have tickets for the game. So we all went, blah, 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 myself, Pat and Noel Larkin uh, were at the game and we went up and we were together at the game and um, we, we had an absolutely brilliant day. We ended up, Hardy Kenny arrived and we were sitting right up in the suite, right in the corner. And like at one stage we were jumping around, hugging each other when Aaron scored. And then in a couple of minutes before the end of the match, Duffy uh, 
uh, our tough scores, scores to go, and we're just going, oh my God, so we're nearly crying at this stage. But then when they, when they, when they, I, I really thought the lads were brilliant in the in the uh, the extra time, I really did. And then when it did come to penalties, where they were the photos were together, and it was. It was a mad situation, it really was. We felt like, what the, what's going to happen, and blah, blah, blah. And, and uh, Neil scored a goal, oh my God. We're jumping around like kids. They were 60 years of age. <laughs> jumping around like kids. Uh, it was brilliant. And we sat there when it was all over. And we're just sitting there, and Larko turns around, he says, well, there you are, lads, now 32 years later. And he, he turned around and he says, Harry, you scored a first one, penalty. I scored a second goal. And Mickey, you scored a third one. And there's our captain. The fours, I'm not even thought about it. Never even thought of that. The four of us were together. Three goals, three goal scorers and the captain together. That was absolutely brilliant. It was it was a great day. We had a fabulous time. We went back and we met met all the players after then. Uh, we were invited back to the hotel. So it was really the boring thing. So it was a really great day. We we spent sp- spent an evening having a few drinks and celebrating. And we ended up meeting the boys then the next day then as well. Um, Larko had to go off. He was gone the next morning. Back to Australia. So, but we had a great time. Really great time, fabulous time now, and it's um, twenty-two years later. Well, unbelievable. But look, uh, it's good, brilliant. That's fantastic. And uh, how are you coping in these strange times uh, during lockdown? Oh, madness! To be honest with you, I've, it's eight weeks now. We're in eight weeks, I'm just get up in the morning, go out, get me walk in or whatever, and do whatever, and coming in I'm, I'm a really good chef now you know just <laughs> I'm cooking doing a, doing a bit of cooking as well so uh, but yeah look you know we're all we're all in this situation and I really think that if we if we stick to the government policies and whatever staying in and you know it'll definitely help uh, you see numbers are dropping and it's, it's it seems to be getting better so but it's going to say it's 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 going to take a long time as uh, you know we're we're not going to be the same again. We never, I never thought in my lifetime I'd ever see anything like this, whatsoever. But look, we have to stick with it and um, do what we can to you know um, get through it. And it's hard. I'm I'm sure like and uh, all sorts of sports are, are are suffering. Every every sport is is going to suffer, and no more uh, than than. The, the soccer will you know um, and you know as a, we've talked before we've had a, we've had a great start to the season and I missed that now big time because as you know I do the I definitely do the home, home games and a couple of the away games but uh, missed the football involved with Fairhouse Carmel there um, <clears throat> and I missed that I missed going out Saturday mornings and watching the kids uh, kicking the ball around and stuff like that so doing a bit of coaching as well so I miss that but uh, and then Friday nights of course and I miss miss that big time you know oh that's great thanks for talking to us today Mick hope you stay safe and well okay and you too take care of yourself and I'll see you when when we get back yeah so Mick um, that that story about the cup final is probably the coolest 
story I've heard in a long time. I oh, love, great. like I said earlier on, I love those stories. Like they're all jumping around like head cases, and then all of a sudden they just realise like everyone in the room, all good friends, had a pivotal part to play in the last cup win for the club that they are now supporting. Thirty-two years. Thirty-two earlier. years earlier, and they're all just in the moment <coughs> looking around, going three goal scorers, one captain. Like, oh, it's, uh, like, how do you even, how do you even register that? Like, how does that even go in? It's unbelievable. Yeah. The whole Addo and Hyde <coughs> thing was fascinating as well. <coughs> what was the final story again? What was the gist? Um. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he told it before, and you can read about it on. He did an interview with Forty Two E. Where he went over there with Dermot Keely. <laughs> and he was just, they were thinking they were going home that day. So they were having a few beers. And then someone came up to him and said, said you know you're playing for us, you're playing a friendly for us later today. I was like, no I'm not. <laughs> Let me finish this point. It's like, I'm not playing any game, there's no game on. It's like, yeah, no, we're playing a game against like an underage team. So he, had, he played the game with three, a few beers in him and he scored a hat-trick. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. It wouldn't be the first time, I'd say. But, yeah, no, uh, absolute Rovers legend. And I love the, like I said, the little snippets into transfers and stuff like that, like playing for Den Haag and it didn't really work out in Huddersfield. But he just he just gives you the... It just gives you the vibe that he just genuinely felt it for all. Like, you still see him. I see him every week, every 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 time in Tallaght. See him at away games. Like it's, he's a proper yeah. hoop. Yeah, the cup was six months ago, and as of Sunday, oh, I can't believe that. Six months. Actually, that took me back, and I was just thinking to myself, "Wow, that is like time has flown, boy." In those six months, look what's happened as well. Mm-hmm. Crazy stuff. I'm actually enjoying these sort of uh, time capsule interviews. You know what I mean? Like we've had Mick on before. And we've covered his whole career. But this time it's focusing on one particular season. So you might get those extra nuggets of info. Yeah. Definitely and, loving uh, that. We have Robbo on later on. Robbo, it's not an in-depth interview. Again, it's kind of, it's focusing on one era. So, uh, you know, I'm kind of liking that. Yeah, because, like, personally, if you, like, if I got played here for Robbo, surely that would forever be vivid in your memory considering you played well even if you didn't follow them and you played for them but you get player of the year that year you've got to remember one of your most successful years as a footballer by getting player of the year yeah. awarded by the fans so uh, yeah a little bit of in-depth knowledge there is what we're, we're going to be going for bring you back take you back in time to like a hopefully well, what was it 94 we had Alan we uh, 2002 for Robbo yeah any recommendations as well you want to send in send them our way kind of comes full circle too we you just heard Mick Byrne talking about the first season out of Milltown and then now you'll hear Robbo who captained Rovers in the first game of Tata while I was listening to it I was thinking to myself we have to get someone on who's played the first game in Talca and, the, and then he just came out with it yeah so I, that's what I was thinking I was like first game in Talca and then he came out and said he played the first game Daily Mill first game in the RDS yeah so that's, I was like, that's, he's after covering a lot there early. that's a quirky start now that's pretty cool and he, he he remembers it vividly like he loved his time at Rovers you can tell what were the odds of him playing because like the first game in Talca was 87 first game in Daily Mount was 88 first game in RDS was 1990 right mm. what were the odds of him playing in those first games 
despite leaving for Holland and Huddersfield in between those years. It's nuts, isn't it? Was uh, No, he wasn't the one that Mick McCarthy was calling outside left. That was Mick Leach, wasn't it? Or was Mick calling Mick... Mick McCarthy calling Mick Bourne outside left? No, yeah, it was Leach. It was Leach, yeah. Yeah, yeah so... Um, can't think of any players who stuck around long enough to play in the art. I think Harry Kenny, possibly... Stayed until 1991 or so. But very few players would have... Like the... the team, uh, we were a club of turmoil. The team stuck together though. It was The whole team remained. In the Talca Boycott season. It was the following year. It really broke up. And a lot of those players won the treble with Derry. So the Talca Boycott season... we It was the same team. Same team. Exactly the same team. Except for Dermot Keady. He retired. And he focused on being manager. I didn't. Th- I thought they left to go to Derry that year. No, it's fun because Derry did the treble with a lot of those players, didn't they? Mm. Under Jim McLaughlin. Yeah, exactly. Like Paul Dill and like them, John Cody. Unbelievable. Jesus, that's a great. I didn't know that. No, I didn't know that the the four seeds is miserable. I'd say that was. And I was reading about and him talking about the celebrations as well. He would nowhere to go. Scored. Looking around, going, what yeah. do we do? Like. Like that was that was brilliant to hear from a player player talk about that. Yeah, so we're gonna talk about the working document now with the League of Ireland Clubs. They were given this document on how uh, a return to football behind closed doors at force could work. Um just born it on the spot. Uh, the FEI, the National League Executive Committee and the PFAI created the document. The FAI says it is preparing for the return of grassroots football as soon as the HSC and government ease restrictions sufficiently for competitive football to resume again and around the country. Shamrock Rovers, Dundalk and Derry are in support after talks were held, but the other seven Premier Division clubs were unhappy the lack of detail about the potential compensation and income from streaming matches online. FAI affiliation fees were waived for this season, but the prize money is still only going on to be 500k, so the estimated collective loss would be around 10 million. Mm-hmm. So it is a massive amount of money. And uh, the league is a write-off, I think. But let's say I don't know. I'm not even. Gonna, do we even discuss mm. potentials? Um, well, they had to look at it because yeah, they're right to look at if, it. As if well. there's no league to come back to, you might have to play behind closed doors. But they're also unhappy about that in this document. There was no specifics about how FIFA and UEFA might provide assistance to make the necessary upgrades to grounds comply with the public health and social distancing regulations outlined in this 40 page document and on that note Niall Quinn did you see his interview the other day no no he was saying that playing all League of Ireland games in the same venue is being looked at somebody spoke about this to me today so there'd be a different game on a different day of the week streamed live Tom of the Aviva weren't they well the Aviva and Tadar are both being used for COVID-19 test centres at the moment does that mean they're ruled out so we're going back to the RDS Gar. woo I don't know it's a mess it is it's a mess and somebody has to deal with it and they're they're doing I don't know maybe maybe they are doing their best but I want to know that at this moment in time are the FAI are the FAI prioritising League of Ireland comeback and are they working hard behind the scenes and trying to get it done and trying to come to the best conclusion for this or is it still the the bastard child or the what the what did the nanny call it? 
problem child the problem child the bastard child is it still the problem child and they're just sweeping it to the side and not really giving it much thought I'd like to think it's it's not the case it seems like they are trying to f- progress with the league and go forward say they what else is on the table really I mean they've started the McCarthy-Kenny transition the yeah. playoff isn't going to be until later in the year if even then it could be next year so I mean they'd want to be folks in the league wouldn't they but could have a situation where we have to play a European qualifier maybe not in July I think UEFA are kind of hinting at August, September, October right and what if our league hasn't returned yet back to the whole days of having no games behind you and look how much we've benefited from having mm. been in full flow it gives you such a, a, a better edge and uh, I know we coped with it for 40 years with winter football but that'd be like imagine imagine going into a game against Icelandic opposition or something who we haven't beaten like the likes of Starnan and all who we would expect to be no game but they had a belt. jump on us yeah no games under your belt no yeah. like it's you've seen well, fair enough we've had a flying start this season but you can be really dodgy coming into your season with the on the back of a pre-season do you know like I mean some teams just don't hit the ground running and you don't want to have your first game as a as as the huge mm. like windfall of money potentially being out the window over your first game of the season like that could be really disheartening as well so Hopefully it won't be the case. I think the I think the only instance of our first game of the season being in Europe was the nineteen ninety eight Intertoto Cup. Intertoto. So we went we went over to Turkey in June, and that was our first game of the season. And funny enough, the FEI had started the Super Cup back then, and the whole point of the Super Cup was to prepare the four clubs who would be in European action to give them a bit of match practice. Yeah. But our Intertoto Cup game was before the Super Cup. So it was actually a waste of time. 40 degree heat. Yeah. First game of the season. Turkey. Goats getting yeah. slaughtered. Yep. <laughs> like, <laughs> but it was bad enough. Like the money from that. Delaney's golden handshake. Like this. When I think of this. I think of the money he wasted. And I was thinking to myself. Right. Genuinely. Not away with fines and things like that. Like what. Is it crazy to say that those like any fines paid by clubs or rovers for banners or, or flares or something like that just went into a slush fund, and he's like at the airport, he's taking out money, <laughs> he's spending it on watches and dry cleaning and his ma. What's to say that that wasn't the case? Like all the fines, like I know it's, it might be point sky stuff. What's to say that the money just didn't go into an account and he used it? It's very well could have happened. It's proven well, to have happened that he misappropriated funds. How do we know that he didn't have a little fucking handy pank number there? Well, read the full quote here. I think it came from was the Times. Right, so... Read, the, read those figures and tell me if they add up. Sorry, so so uh, what have we got? We've got... We're not going to benefit from the 4.3 million cash injection, okay? So you wave his cash. We're not going to benefit. Because we'd already drawn it down we'd already in taken advance. Yeah. yeah. So listen to this. Figures given to the meeting... Of the 23rd, meanwhile, suggested that FAI had been making a profit of just under 300,000 and running the league with UEFA funding of 1.045 million, sponsorship of 375,000, television revenues of 341,000, streaming income of 110,000 and 200,000 in finance 
Mortez and Ryan's right there. More than enough to cover the cost of prize money, administration and other expenses. Delaney had always claimed the association subsidised the league and here we go, refused to allow the club to see the figures. He refused to allow the clubs to see the figures of the financial documents that the league that they play in. Yep. Think about that. So all the money that they got in, Delaney, fucking squirreled it away. And then all the money that had to go out, he didn't let anybody see the figures. And he had been pilfering it. I genuinely think that all the money had been coming from the League of World. It had been coming from the League of World. All his little pot that he had, his little uh, his little stash has, has been League of World. Like, that is a damning fucking quote. And still they had a quote unquote cash flow problem of a hundred grand. Like look look at that. Unbelievable. I'm actually in shock. I, I've read those figures six times. I'm now. reading it in my head. And now. I just It's not adding up at all, is it? So they've been making a profit under three hundred thousand and running it. Like it's nuts. It does not make sense. And how how like apparently he's in London now and he's working for somebody. I can't remember who I heard. I heard some sort of rumor, but like, like, why was this allowed to happen? Why are we such a corrupt little fucking nation when it comes to pay on paper and, and finance and all these handshakes and classism? Like, it's it's fucking off the charts. This stuff. I really don't like that. That article in the newspaper that came out about Delaney that time that showed his his expenditure. What a wanker. Every he was just spending money in airports for the crack, buying watches, buying this, buying that like insane, insane amount of money using credit cards as ATMs. So going in with a credit card and taking cash out, not even buying stuff, just having cash on him so he could spend it like it's <sighs> nuts. <sighs> so then we had right to so move on, and even hold on in the day, was where was he? Where was he when a club went bang? He was abroad. Was he in Belgrade? Did a club go bang the, the night we were in Belgrade? Belgrade. I could be a for correction there, but um, Monaghan went bust that the following season. Following season was it? Yeah. And he had been criticised for that as well. But uh, yeah, some bad news with Waterford. <coughs> Waterford players were laid off via email. So uh, there's a bit of uproar in the media about this. But what, like, fair enough, there could have been individual phone calls. Which would have, which would have been a better touch, considering you cannot meet face to face, and the players are probably situated all over, the, all over Ireland and possibly UK, maybe somewhere else. So, it was it was an easy an easy way out for them to do that via email, but possible phone call off the gaffer would have, would have been a little bit better because you can, can talk to people, consult them, listen to their problems and that. But I wonder. Well, the gaffer I don't think really knew. Ben was himself complained about it so. So there he, you go. I think he was in the dark as well, wasn't he? Yep. But uh, did you see this thing that Cork and Sligo are doing? They're having a virtual game. Yeah, I I brushed that. Right? I skimmed that, and I never went back to it. But it, how how are they going to do it? It's quite quite a lot going on here. It's it's going to take place on Saturday week. I think that's when they would have played each other. Right. So it's going to be like an entire virtual package of. If they would have paid each other. So there's going to be like a build up to the game. The managers are being interviewed. Playing clips of 
famous. Are they actually going to interview the managers? Yeah. No way. As if they're going to play each other. Famous clips of games between the two teams. They're actually going to have RTE commentary. Like Adam Cole, you know, is going to come on and talk about like, the two teams. And then the actual game is, is like a, a FIFA 20 game. Okay, so it's yeah. alright, yeah. But, uh, yeah, so like... What's a good idea? So you're basically buying a virtual a ticket on a pay-per-view stream. That's not a bad That's idea. That's not a bad idea. Yeah, it's something, isn't it? You can't knock it. Yeah. But uh, uh, th- this I thought was uh, peak COVID-19, though, Gary. Not, not Cork versus Sligo. Uh, in Belarus, I can't remember what team it was. You can buy a virtual ticket and they put mannequins in the stand. And so if you buy the ticket, <laughs> they cut out your face yes. and they stick on the mannequin so you get to feel like you're there. Can you get put behind a fence if you have a request for that? <laughs> Who are you referring to there? Yeah, then? Uh, uh, yeah so... Um, as, for, uh, as for League of Ireland, social media, I've been sort of seen a bit here and there, but we've been duped again yeah. by Bosgar. They're just duped. so wily, aren't they? Scarlet, we are. First the Eagle and Danny Mount, and now they have a poet comedian on Twitter. I mm. fell for it. <laughs> the... Poet's actually real, Bob. Sorry, what? The poet is real. That was a real poet. Yeah, it's real. So hold on, we have a poet comedian and a regular poet now. Is that so? They've they've two. No, I assumed it was like an Alan Parker thing, but you're telling me that was the actual yeah, attempt at, at poetry. It's real, yeah. It's it's actually real. He takes himself seriously. That's how we say it. They had some guy living in a van doing poetry as well. I don't know, they have a few. They have a few of them. Next they'll be starting treads on their forum about us and slagging the show. What? Um, yeah, so the, the poet was real. Oh, <laughs> fucking hell. Imagine you had a club poet. <laughs> Who would be our club poet? Club poet. <laughs> okay. De- Deco maybe De- no, because it's a piss take isn't it <laughs> um, yeah so we'll have to move on now they never die but they will never die fund uh, it's ticking along nicely so throwing a few quid into it every match day and buying our ticket and our, t- and our, uh, our program so it's on Facebook it's um, the best way to find it is Go on to Twitter, go on to Facebook, we'll never die for it. If you're a Rover fan, you know where to go. It's on the Rover's chat on Facebook and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, just throw a few quid in, which we apparently there's work being done on a, an event next that we're going to be able to have a bit of crack with as well, which I'm all yeah. for. I think events and s- like people doing things attract more fundraisers because, like I'll, I'll be honest, like the guy doing the Pats one, He's doing 50 kilometres, like, walking. He's walking, like, 200 kilometres, which would attract neutrals as well. Whereas we're just saying, give us your money. It's for Rovers. Um, mm. they're, they're, he's doing something, so there's a lot more, possibly a lot more neutrals. Yeah, there is there is a big uh, quiz night in the works. Uh, there's a lot of work going on behind the scenes to plan this. and it's going to, be, it's to going get to be, this going. It's going to be excellent. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. it had to be postponed. For this week, but it should be next week. Loving to see how it's gonna happen because it's gonna be a big take up on this. Like, you're talking 
hundreds, I'd say, would want in on this. Well, put it this way: if you like the George Byrne Memorial Quiz, you you love this. That's what I'm saying. So the I'd say that's what the process is now: is where you're just trying mm-hmm. to figure out how the fuck would we do this. If you like George Byrne Memorial <laughs> Quiz and you like seeing former Rovers players come on and chatting to them, you're gonna see both. Yes, that is it. That is the little carrot that we need dangled. Mm-hmm. That's gonna be excellent. Um. Yeah, so we're talking about Anthony's fundraiser. So it was only a week beforehand. A huge amount of money was donated by Rowers fans. So we were always thinking um, it was going to be a slow start to our yeah our other fund. I uh, expected that, yeah. Yeah. But, um, yeah, no, so... And another sad note as well, our condolences to Rowers board member Peter Madden, who lost his father a few days ago. So uh, our condolences to the Madden family. And Peter's been on the show before. He spoke very well on the Milltown Marge, I believe, bruv. Oh, yeah. He spoke about his uh, time in Germany and working for papers and stuff like that. Something I remember vividly. Don't ask me why. I thought it was pretty cool. I think he used to go to games over there as well. That was a very early show. I don't think I even knew who Peter was back then. No, no. What made us get him on? I think you knew him, did you? Um, I can't remember I, what it was. I, I probably met him before, but I didn't know like his holes. You know, he's on yeah. the board and stuff like that. So we go back to our survey results. Question eleven. Uh, what was our best ex-player special last year? So no surprise here. Stephen Rice and Dunster. They won forty-three percent of the votes. Yep. Next was Mickleish and Paddy Mulligan. That, yeah. that was a hell of a duo. Second on twenty-two percent. Gaffney and Sinna came third. Then Palmer and Purdy, then Eccles and Tormy. So, um, yeah, we've plenty more planned. Um, <clears throat> it's just about getting it done at this stage. It's, like I said, we had so many live shows planned. and um, we'll, we'll be back, though. We'll rise like the Phoenix, prof. And we'll be back. But question 12. What was our best show last year? And we gave you a short list, basically all the specials, but not the ones with just former players, so no surprise here. The Tallah Stadium Saga won with 39%, and uh, I, I love that show. Yeah. I just... Two-parter. Um, Personally, I think that's... You reckon that's the best show we've done? I think anyone could listen to that. Yeah. That's that's how you, I think you can judge that, because it's interesting, it's a great story, and you could honestly make some sort of Sunderland to Lloyd show out of that if you had the footage from back then. Mm. You really, really could. It'd be fascinating. All the roadblocks, all the stuff that went on, you you could definitely do it. Roller coaster ride. And I think at the start of it, you just have to have the whack ripping up the papers. Just going whoosh. That'd have to be <laughs> the, the, the front of the, the TV show. I have a photo of that, actually. <laughs> Something I was... I put on the back burner because the season began you know you're kind of so much going on but now there's a bit of a break uh, our videographer Kane I have a little project for him oh yes and that's give him a bit of homework yeah well, he needs something to do he's no school so. <laughs> but uh, you, know, you know Jimmy Conroy has this massive collection of photographs yeah. 22,000 photographs and he has loads from that whole the whole Tata Stadium saga so we're going to put together a little video Using all of Jimmy's photographs. Excellent. Including the whack whipping up the... Or ripping up the... Uh, the GAA whipping proposal. up a frenzy and ripping yeah. up the GAA... Causing a riot. Proposal. Uh, the 100th episode with Paggio Mero and our live audience, John Delaney. Uh, that was that was yeah. great. That came second. That was great. I think that's the most 
fun episode yeah. we've ever done. It really was. Great collection of characters. We've had the, for live shows, we've had the drunkest, which <laughs> was James McLean. Um, the very first one was, was, was the most raucous, you could say. It was the most, yeah. it was the loudest. Um, uh, we'll be back, we'll be back. We're, we're hurting ourselves talking about it here because the live shows are just great crack. Um, then we had uh, the Joey Pico Gary O'Neill special after the cup win that came fourth yeah. so Joey himself came was voted third highest and then the cup final special that was fourth highest yeah and then we the Carl we the Carl's brothers uh, we Carl and we got Connor so steeped in uh, St. Mm. Pat's family tradition they changed to the hoop somewhere along the line all the grannies are yeah. Pat's Carl Curran's still not sure where these grannies came from and how they <laughs> became loyal to Pats. But it was actually after number one there, Tata Stadium Saga, it was actually very evenly spread, those votes, after that. Yeah. So there was a lot of contenders for best show. We, we had a good year, uh, 2019, for specials. Uh, question 13. Aside from Gary Twig. And still... It has, has to be put in every time. Still a couple of people wrote Gary Twig. Yeah. Aside from Gary Twig, do you have any suggestions for a topic or guest in the future? So we had loads of requests for 2010-11 era The players. elusive Rochi. Yeah. Who always gets mentions and never comes on. Um, I think we've as much chance in getting him on as we have getting Ray Wheel on. <laughs> which is never going to happen. Um, yeah, the Rochi pulled out last minute, didn't he, last time? Like he sent James our way, didn't he? Fantastic replacement as well. <laughs> we had loads of requests for. We got the winner there at that time. Loads of requests for 2010-11. So that's what we're, we before the the virus came. That was our plan. We were gonna really bring on players who were in Belgrade and stuff like that. Uh, Den, Billy Denny got loads of mentions. Yeah, Billy's Billy's a top top lad for me. I still rate Billy highly. I love him. That was our next special. That, that's what we had planned. And he's totally Billy up Denny. for it as well. He's living in um, either Cork or Trudy or something. I now, think he's back in Trudy because he's yeah. running Trudy Dynamos. There you Yeah, and he's got a bit a business down there as well. But Billy's yeah. gonna be great. He said he was gonna come up for a game and join us. So ah man, it's a shame it didn't work out. We'd have to find out who his best pal is. And then twin them in there, same team. Sivy Sivas has fell off earth. I nobody has a number for him. No, we nobody asked a lot of people doing. for Sivy. No. And nobody knows. So if anybody has any contacts out there, please get in touch. But nobody seems to know what's going on. Yeah. With him. A few people wanted uh Pat Scully. We came close to getting him as well, didn't we? Yeah. We wanted Prosecco. He did. He we usually we ask our guests what they want to drink and we provide it and he asked for lo- he said loads of bottles of Prosecco. And then he just flaked. <laughs> Pulled out. <laughs> Once you told him how long the show was, he just said, yeah, uh, yeah. no. It means he was missing out on an hour or two in the taxi. <laughs> few requests for people that we'd already had on, like Manus, Podge, Mark, Henny, Mero. Go back to the archives, people. Yeah. We've had these people on. Someone asked for a flag segment where people discuss the thoughts and inspiration behind their Rawers flags. Yeah, Tifties did it. Yeah. Tifties did it. Done. Flag day. Yeah. Peter Richardson was on it. And... He was just, uh, he's very good. <laughs> not, not all of that made the air. <laughs> not all of it made the air, yeah. You know why no one remembers that segment? Because it was the one, it was the Bowes defeat in the 99th minute. Oh, God. Leave it was, it was that same show. So literally no one remembers that flag segment. Yeah. Same as way no one will ever remember, like Danny Carr's fantastic oh. volley. 
That's tragic. Yeah. What a goal that was. Yeah, what a goal. Uh, what have more of Winston's wife? I know what that was. I wonder if uh, I wonder how they're getting on during this lockdown. Mm. And has Winston has she survived? <laughs> Winston, uh, Winston's rants still going under the boogies. Uh, more history based episodes like the Tallis Stadium ones dedicated to a specific topic e.g. the Giles era cram first division season I think the first division season needs to be looked at a lot more we, we had Aiden Price and Andy Miner on so we did cover it maybe we could have more of a fans perspective yeah I think we need more of a what you could say a documentary type uh, show because it's just a fascinating season Mm-hmm. and I think fans who've been up and down the country following the team that season would be a great way to do it uh, what else we got we have classic match reviews the obscure friendly comeback the stonking the two men and dog witness it the away trip that was all from the same person stonking Donk. maybe you meant tonking <laughs> um, day in the life peace with a volunteer at a Rovers game who's, uh, who's always turning us down so Richie Carroll is it? Richie Carroll yeah. and Conor O'Sullivan Never. both just turn us down flat yeah flat off straight off the bat um, yeah we've had a few rejections in our time well, not for lack of trying people we've tried but like it's not We no one has still been as worse as bad as Duff <laughs> I don't even know what I talk about anyway <laughs> get upset when I think about it oh man it was so yeah. bad have a, a tip these uh, pop quiz for you again go on is today oh, our first ever interview with Shane Robinson? He's thinking. Is it the first time he's ever been on the show? Yeah. Talking? Yeah. Oh, he's thinking. He's thinking. I think it is. Because. Is that your final answer? Oh, give me a minute. <laughs> no. He's been on it. Oh, he has been on it. Getting closer. Yeah, he's definitely been on because the topic of using the song always came up. You can't quite put your finger on what it was about. You went to an under-12s final. Oh, yes. And you had a quick chat with him after that. Yeah. Oh, it was that. Yes, me and Jaden went out and they were beaten on penals, I think. Or maybe it was. Yeah, I remember it well. I was at Wayside and I just nabbed him. And it was brief brief one and mm-hmm. we didn't think it warranted using here's to you Shane Robinson yeah for that little snippet that's what it was <laughs> yes what a song fantastic song so question 14 we asked you to rank these podcast features in order your favourite one to six the winner was questions from the East End second was members corner third LOI curious fourth growing my gears fifth interviews with other clubs and lastly, Winston. So, uh, Winston was least favourite? Yeah. Don't well, believe it. 20 people chose Winston as our best feature, but 58 said he's our worst feature out of the six. There you go. No, 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 come here, come here, come here, no. no yeah, Winston. Nah, Win- 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 Winston. Winston, is that you? These people don't know what they're talking about. Right, the gruelers. Well, in a surprising turn of events here, Winston has actually joined us on the line here. Look, come here, come here, come here, I tell you, right? These, these figures don't tell the whole story, right? 
don't even tell how many people have recovered from your podcast. No, no, no. It's, it's not coronavirus that's uh, Winston. We're, we're trying to take people's minds off that. So, how are you coping through all this madness anyway? Ah, uh, look, listen. Look, like everybody else, I'm just, I'm, I'm just, I'm just trying to stay busy. You know, a bit of reading, a bit of music, pottering around the garden. Well, I tell you, it's, it's just terrible. You, you turn on the news and it's not getting any better. Right? This boy, what they're telling you, it's getting worse and worse. It's, it's a ghastly virus. Now, you see, the problem is, people just add social distancing, lads, right? The other day, I went right up to this young fella, right? The usual, hand down the front of the trousers, half a haircut, and I told him straight to his face. I says, here, you know what? You, you, you need, need, need to cop on with your social distancing, right? But I tell you this, right? we all know what it really is. This card out for virus. It's putting up them 5Gs. That's what it is. I saw the video online and your mum has pretty much confirmed it, right? Unprecedented. No word of a lie. I don't know. I, I think I might be going mad, Winston. I mean, surely it's just all... Go- it's down to missing the football, really. I just think you're, you're starting, your mind's starting to wander now. It's, it must be the football. You have to be missing it. Uh, uh, stop. Right? I'll tell you, the, the worn out, the old VHSs and the, the DVDs, I, I, at this stage now, the, the Pakistan Belgard one, right? That free kick from Del, Del Pro. I tell you, how much longer can this Jason thing go on? Right? It doesn't matter thinking about. If, if we can't resume the league, the league of Ireland this season, right? What what if Europe's cancelled as well? Right? We, we, we won't get to travel to exotic places like Sweden and Cyprus and and, and Iceland, right? Remember, remember Iceland with the uh, oh, what you would call it? The, that board yoke. Yeah, yeah, we're doing we're doing player of the year series and well I mean we're chatting with Gary Shaw last week, he won it in two thousand seventeen, he got twelve goals that season, so Shaw's he was good in the show. Charlie, no. I think I thought for Don Don Cowan, uh, but I don't really recall m- much of that season. Now it was one of the the, the the last weekend, as the lad says it. You know. I have to be honest, Vincent. Uh, I actually didn't think we'd hear from you again because what is there even to give out about? I mean, we won the cup and we started the season with five wins out of five. Listen, I don't give out. I I I, 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 I don't give out. Right, I just, I just say it like it is. Now listen, the cup, that's great, unbelievable, unbelievable. But it's old news, right? It's gone now. Forget about it. There's plenty to talk about. I tell you, you can, you, you, you can talk about the, the, the size of the crowd at the Dundalk game. Unbelievable. Yeah, we're talking about breaking records again. Uh, seven and a half thousand, nearly a record for Tala. So beautiful stuff, like. No, it wasn't. It wasn't all great. I got to the ground at 10 past 7, right? Kick off at 7.45. And the head and your man there in the car park waving me away. No space, no space. I wasn't even driving, I was walking in. Well, surely, like, I mean, if, so, you, if you had your membership, like, you, you could you could easily get in, but I don't think you've stumped up for that, have you? Oh, membership, members. What about true supporters? That's what I am. I'll tell you, sweet Sandra in the boy in James' street. Right, you want to talk Jack Bourne scores our winning goal? Absolutely superb. What a goal. What a goal. But then the weekend, he's there mingling with the Duchess of, of, of 
York or whatever her name is, the, 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 the Queen's niece. Oh, Jason, like a royalist. And I've seen him since in Moan's How Are You magazine. There he is, there, picture, smiling like a Sheshak. Huh? And what do you get from the club? Silence. That's what you get. It's nonsense. Nonsense. Right, Jack, now, Jack voted Sinn Féin, so I'm guessing he has some sort of Republican leaning and and he's patriotic, you know? So, I mean, you could literally hear him say it during our quiz. Uh, look, come here, come here. Look, didn't we all, says you, right? Well, i tell you, it didn't go down well with, with Patchy Metonium, ha? Huh? I can tell you that much. They said he should never play for the club again, period. And how's that song go again? Uh, we hate Princess Diana. We hate Elton John too. He's a... Puffin. That's, that's the know. bird from Iceland you were thinking about earlier. A puffin. That, that's what it was. So, a few people have asked us about your wife, Mona. Uh, she made a memorable appearance. Beautiful, beautiful woman, I'd say. Very memorable appearance on the podcast with you last year. So, uh, so how is she? Yeah, well, yeah, but that, 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 that's a bit of a sore subject at, at the minute. But uh, Mona, I know we haven't been actually... We've been sleeping in separate rooms since since it all began. Oh, you've been uh, self-isolating, is that it? No, 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 it's nothing to do with that. She... she Look, she never checked me pockets, right? And she watched me low ticket, right? It came out like a bull, a mess, right? And it wasn't a winner. We don't know. We'll never know, will we? And I haven't spoken to her since. Now, she thinks she's not speaking to me, but I'm not speaking to her. Sounds like a bit of a domestic... Do, do, you, reckon, do you reckon she's on Tinder then, uh, Winston? Is that the case? Is she uh, on the market? How do you mean? You never heard of Tinder? Uh, I, better, I better not say anything, Winston. Don't worry about it. Listen, you just sort out your differences with the lovely Mona. No, no, no. What's Tinder? It's firewood for the, for the, for the fireplace. <laughs> no, you you stuck it away. Mona's <laughs> our optimal way. We'll have you know. <laughs> uh, Winston, listen, uh, we do love you. We do, we do love you. Funny way of showing it. I give you my time here, my knowledge. I don't just pontificate. You know, I, I, I say it like it is. And I speak for a lot of people. It's what your poll says. Yeah, ignore those survey results. Uh, I think I think people love you. Oh, we do. Except the ones that vote for me. I don't ignore them. <laughs> well, I think that'll do it for today. Uh, do you want us to close out with your team song? Oh, without doubt, please, yeah. Da, 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 da. Right, so that was Winston, and he's as grumpy as ever. Gareth's first ever meeting with Winston. Well, I'll be it over the phone, but I don't think I like him to be honest. No, no. Were you one of the people that voted him as worst feature? Yeah, he's a prick. <laughs> yeah, no, I can't see us getting on now to be honest. Yeah, some impromptu interview with Winston there. So before we were really interrupted, uh, question fifteen out of twenty. So we're nearly there, folks. Uh, is there anything that grinds your gears about Tales from the East I wouldn't say so that there now. You wouldn't want? M- me interrupting everyone, that's what it is. <laughs> yeah. I've learned to call it Cortella though. That, that got mentioned a few times. Like yeah, you. I know, yeah. And rightly so, yeah. I just get fucking excited. Yeah, plus a few beers in you. Yeah, Candle exactly. bottle. So the most common complaints here were that some think the show is too long. Kind of touched on that earlier. Some wanted out sooner. I don't know how they feel, yeah. <laughs> some wanted out sooner in the week. Again, we did actually did address that before this whole thing started. We moved to Wednesdays. Yeah. So we listen. We do listen. 
the quiz was a common complaint. Uh, inside jokes that got a few mentions as well. Yeah. And uh, like we say, a few people feel that Gary interrupts our guests too often. Yeah, certainly did. Yeah. Working on it. Yeah, so we have some highlights from your answers. Uh, it should be renamed to reflect the stands that Rovers fans actually occupy. Uh, get out of the club. Mm-hmm. Uh, when it's posted a minute later than 10 on a Thursday, uh, Maloney can get out of the club. Hey, Jason. Definitely. <laughs> uh, the list of hatred isn't available to see anywhere. Prof should do up a Google Doc for you. Oh, yeah, Prof's just going to sit here and go through every episode and just put <laughs> it on a Google Doc for you. you know, somewhere. Somewhere in Johnny Blues, I think. Um, should be a scroll the constant name dropping of the same small selection of fans too many in jokes reference to fans on away trips uh, well yeah, if you want to get in the inner circle yeah I know circle of truth I can sort of see this but like from our point of view like we, we love all these characters we meet on the away trips and so that can sometimes be central to our our little our, top our, process, our yeah. anecdotes and all that the show would actually lose a little bit of his humour I think if we didn't 100% do that. Yeah. but at the same time it's probably fair we have gone a bit overboard with the inside jokes so we'll uh, no, we'll take that on board get out of the club also get out of the club uh, audience shows and tiff and quifty sound quality um, yeah. like I said listen yeah. we're not fucking pros here we're just having the crack so mm-hmm. um, well the, the the December show in the pub 100% that was that was awful sound quality Jesus Christ but, great idea to yeah. start and then I was just like ugh this isn't gonna happen <laughs> but if you listen back to the Four Promises one that actually that was decent well that wasn't in a, a massively crowded pub with the football mm. on we had our own mm. function room and that was our room for that yeah so that will happen again we're locked where we were locked in so yeah that's where I'd like to do another audience show because we can actually control that sound and it sounds pretty good mm. I like this um, one next. Uh, just one thing on the quiz. I think I mentioned it before a couple of months ago. There can't be too much dead air in the quizzes. And uh, so, like for people listening and not watching the video. So, definitely I'm going to rectify that. So I'm going to go in and, and edit it down a bit. Mm-hmm. Question 17. Uh, no, 16. What have you got, 16 now? Oh, oh, 16 is... Uh, Rank these ideas we have for next season in order of what you'd be most interested in to hear. So the winner uh, out of four was this day in Robert's history. Probably going to have to start doing these things, Gar. Because <laughs> nothing else to talk about. Regular interviews with Academy well, Minders. squelching noise is not number one, no. <laughs> <laughs> Regular interviews with Academy Minders and players. That's obviously on hold as well. Uh, we look at a match program from the past. If we're desperate, that might happen too. Yeah. A brief roundup of the fortune. If we're desperate. <laughs> Jesus. No offence there, Gogs. <laughs> well, he wasn't editor for the whole time. <laughs> Jesus, if we're stuck for fucking something, might as well look at an old poxy program. A <laughs> uh, brief roundup of the fortunes of other League of Ireland clubs, which nowadays is... Yeah, they've released all their players and stuff. Yeah, That's yeah. Today's update. The email. Yeah, so we have a question seventeen about our former sponsors, Camille, and we have some data that we're not gonna give you, and it'll never see the light of day. Yeah, so how about that? Keep that one to ourselves. Eat, eat those apples. Um. 
yeah uh, question 18 what kind of Tifties merchandise would you like to buy t-shirts hoodies hats stickers badges mostly mentioned one person said an umbrella Prof's perch cap oh I like that very good idea there I like the sound of that um, somebody, uh, somebody said bottle openers and brackets corkscrews for the hoopettes they can know who that was corkscrew uh, g-strings um, this is why we only have seven female listeners here you've already that's uh, that's what 50, you went, 50 quid we're looking at right you went, there you went straight to g-strings some could there. buy multiple some could be edible you're alienating the hoopettes you could all, well what if men wear them we can't <laughs> go down that road anymore so we have uh, point glasses was another one. Uh, skins. There was a few. There's there's a lot. There's a lot you could do. Question nineteen. If we set up a Patreon, which we did, would you support us? If yes, how much would you want to give, and what kind of benefits would you like to see? So of course we ended up starting a Patreon, but suspended for the time being. Yeah. No point uh, charging people for. Or little or no content so um, 15 people asked what's a Patreon yep uh, most said yes and that they didn't expect any benefits and the majority suggested a fiver some said no some said they're only kids or they're students and they can't afford it totally understandable some were unable to or some were unsure and think that we should stay a free model which we still are and we're just like optional donations so the video content mm. that we have is what you're pretty much paying for yeah. it goes towards bills and stuff like that yeah a few people mentioned video content and that sort of pushes towards the idea that we ended up doing and that was video content for your for your fiber yeah that's so that's mm. what it was I mean that's it was, it's all been explained question 20 as well anything just, else just a quick one thing there was a comment uh, it's probably my favourite comment out of that number 19 this person said yes 5 euro not many benefits, if any. Maybe earlier access to the podcast, but then again, I don't like the idea of certain fans being more exclusive than others. Okay. He said, I'd just be happy to donate and keep the podcast going. Maybe first dibs on tickets sold to fu- to sold out future live shows. Oh. No cover charge of Johnny Blues for life. <laughs> These are, I'm liking all this. Yeah. This is fantastic. Hopefully, uh, yeah. If you if you if that was you and you're listening, let us know who it was. We'd love to know about our uh, generous fans so uh, question 20 anything else you want to tell us and again we're feeling the love we're blown away many of these comments um, Prof might even let one of his prisoners out of the cell for a day to celebrate <laughs> with him um, <laughs> his bookcase <laughs> closes up the oh so that's what every time Garrett comes in, in for the recording I'm looking for the fake book. He pulls out a book. <laughs> I always pull a book out. I'm looking. One of them, one of these days, is going to set free a lot of prisoners. He just thinks the shelf is going to rotate. <laughs> yeah. Make like an old noise. <laughs> Help! <laughs> uh, yeah, so, uh, great podcast. It has unified the fan base and is important to us. Will there be a separate B-team podcast? How about a feature where you review a couple of beers each episode? Call it Ales from the East End. Yes, <laughs> never heard of that. That's brilliant. Ales from the East End. Okay, we yeah. pretty much did it already, but definitely 100% do that. Sit there and slug a load of beers and talk about them. Uh, Monthly Madness, point duh. Most people say keep up the great work. Here's a response we picked up just to stroke our egos. Fair fucking play to you guys. I love Rovers. Love reading Jason Maloney's posts after games. I love listening to you guys. It's a fucking essential for any Rovers fans. So get in there. Much appreciated for all those comments. 
get in there yeah excellent yeah, stuff some lovely stuff you people said keep so. them coming keep them coming like I said and criticism too so yeah we want them both that's it and we take it all as constructive as well so um, yeah so next up we have our academy director and he is going down memory lane talking about his three stints at Rovers and his player of the year gong that he picked up so here's Robbo Okay, we're joined now by Shane Robinson, who made over 300 appearances in three different spells of the club. He won the Player of the Year award back in the 2001-2002 season, so that's mainly what we're going to talk about today. So Shane, being from Waterford, you joined Robbers from your local club, uh, Waterford Bohemians, back in July 1999. You were only 18 years old, so what do you remember from about how the move came about? It seems like a, a lifetime ago. Um, yeah, oh, look, obviously I had three different spells uh, at Rovers. And uh, yeah, the first one seems seems so long ago. But um, yeah, I was playing locally, I suppose, down at Waterford with Waterford Bowes, like you said. And uh, I was doing quite well, but had a couple of trials in England, different clubs. But um, probably physically wasn't wasn't the biggest at that minute in time either like and um i played irish schools for the obviously the schools international team that year and uh yeah move came about through a, a relation of my uh, well actually it was a person on my road uh who was related to paddy code paddy code's daughter actually suzanne cooney so she wrote a letter to the to damien at the time who was the manager damien richardson about a, a young lad in Warsaw that was doing okay and uh yeah it went from there so uh, a couple of weeks later i probably played in a pre-season game and that was the ask hardly like you know so it uh yeah totally different to uh playing for waterford balls as a schoolboy to, to go straight in and play at, at rovers was uh unbelievable for myself like you know good memories yeah your first game was actually a friendly with st johnson and the home venue yeah. was newbridge of all places one of our many home venues back then yeah, yeah. I didn't know what I was in for at the time, I suppose. But uh, I was actually laughing because uh, I was from, I suppose, the pitches that we had played on as schoolboys to the pitches that we ended up playing on. And we were actually talking about Santry the other day and people bad mountain I was saying it was like Wembley for what I was used to playing on. So uh, I, I, I didn't complain. But yeah, Newbridge was first game. I think we'd probably play two pre-season games there. Uh, I remember we played... Yeah, we had, a, we had a couple of games and then we went away to Cardiff and stuff. So it's, uh, yeah, vaguely remember those times. But, um, yeah, different different era. Like, to be honest, I was, I was a winger even back then. Carla wasn't wasn't a centre mid and I think I could run a bit. So it was, uh, it was totally different, I suppose, the second time back at Rovers and the third time because it developed into a, a different type of player altogether. Like, you know, so it's, um, yeah, it's just funny in, in my role now, watching kids develop and people telling you that they they play uh, number 10 or they play this position or they play that position but you don't know like to be honest because uh, you get you end up playing one position and developing into something else and I think a lot of players playing for overs have been similar to be fair started as wingers end up there or starters here and end up somewhere else like you know so but uh, yeah it was a totally different player then Kelly like, you know yeah, the fans often refer to this period as a uh, soulless sanctuary. Uh, Derek Tracy told us he hated the, the running track around the ground at Martin Stadium. He said you'd end up in the long jump sometimes. So, what did you think about yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I said, like for me, I didn't like you know I I I, I actually remember watching 
Tony Cousins score for, for hours down in Waterford down the RSC probably six months before I uh, I played my first game so I uh, I would have been sitting in the stand as a young kid just watching that like you know so to, to be out playing six seven months later I didn't care where I was at the time like you know for me you know at that minute in time I suppose Sanctuary was, was a decent pitch but I, I can understand with, with Derek and the, and the likes of them they've, they've played through better than that but um Look for me, it was just exciting to be to be part of it and, and be involved and the, the buzz around it and playing in front of supporters at that minute in time was new because yeah, you're used to just playing in front of your your ma, dad and a couple of lads that would be watching you. So it was a totally different experience the first couple of years. Like you know, well, first year definitely in Santry and that. So, but um, yeah, I played in a a lot of grounds as home venues <laughs> throughout my first spell. So I think it was in '99 to. To to four or something. So yeah, I played in a good few 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 venues like Cal, you know. And what was uh, Rico like as a manager? And was it him who converted you from a winger to a centre mid? No, no, no. I would have been a winger the whole. Jeez, I was I was a winger up until played the first two years with Drada as a winger as well. Played in the cup final as a winger against Cork and what was that all five? So. Yeah, really. I was only later on. Like, yeah, I was, I was an out and out right winger. So I'm not too, not too sure many uh, of your listeners would remember that those early days. But like, yeah, it was. And I feel old saying that, but I was a an out and out winger as, as I suppose, stand on the touchline run. Had good players inside me, like Derek that you mentioned, and Mark Henny could pass a ball. I, I just ran. So <laughs> that was all I done in 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 those years. Was use your Beautifulness and legs, and yeah, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed, I enjoyed those those first few years where something, yeah, you you never get again. Like you know, it was just just not afraid of anything and just wanting to get on the ball and play. Like you know, so it was totally different. Like like you said, I had good fullbacks as well, the likes of Matt Brayton, Pascal Vardacon, Greg Costello, uh, good players, and when you're young as well, good people, I suppose, to learn from. Like you know, so it's um, yeah, we. Had some really good characters in our squads in the in the first couple of years, like you know, and uh, some good stories and good laughs, and but totally different, I suppose, to to uh, the second spell around. Like you know, the, the league had changed so much in the space of five or six years. You know, I think it, it became a lot younger and fresher and more full time and stuff like that in in, the, in that little period. Like you know, which um, which was great, I suppose, for the league and the players that were involved in it. So the 2001-2002 campaign when you actually uh, won the award, we, we came second in the league. This was the last year before the transition into summer football. So we came second, qualified for the UEFA Cup, but there was a demoralising 4-0 semi-final defeat to Dundalk as well. That brought an end to uh, Rico's reign. So what's Diggs held yeah, in that I season? <laughs> I remember that night up in Dundalk. Uh, it was a horrible one of those horrible nights like you know we've, obviously you've, you've done quite well throughout the year and you've, you're hoping you're hoping you can get yourself to a final like you know but it was just one of those nights that everything went wrong and yeah I felt for Damien on that night because as a young manager uh, I was a young player I suppose and uh, I remember he took me off kind of at 2-0 and uh, I was thinking Jesus I, I'd like to stay on the pitch but I think he was doing me a favour because uh, yeah, I was, was still quite young at that minute in time and there was a lot of stick flying around and probably knew that that was the end like for him but uh, it wasn't a nice night like you know in terms of in terms of that season 
Yeah, it was, uh, it's hard to remember, I suppose, too much about it, like, like you know, because they all rolled into one. And, uh, again, it was, uh, I suppose, as a winger, like, you know, it wasn't a, it wasn't a centre-mid or anything like that. And, uh, yeah, I was, I was a fit boy, like, you know, at that managing time and uh, was well, well able to get up and down the, the line and stuff. And, uh, yeah, I suppose... Yeah, I was just starting to, I suppose, come into my own, having had two years in the league and kind of knew it at that point, like, you know, so, um, yeah, no, so it was, uh, it was a good year and stuff like that, so it's, um, yeah, it was, uh, to be honest with you, it's, it's how I remember, I suppose, games within us, like, like, like I said, the, the one at Dundalk sticks out for, for all the wrong reasons, I suppose, like, you know, because, yeah. uh, I remember Damien was gone after that and that was the first manager I suppose they'd worked with and you, you you don't know what's next I suppose like you know you had a manager that that believed in you and stuff like that and yeah, it was, yeah so that that was probably the biggest memory of that year like you know well I'll test your memory again do you remember the award ceremony itself receiving the award and your reaction at the time <laughs> yeah I remember being there like you know and uh uh, yeah, picking up the award, but I, I don't remember too much about it. Like you know, I suppose I'd be a bit surprised at the time. Like I was again quite young and older people in the dressing rooms. And, and, yeah, you wouldn't you wouldn't expect it, I suppose. And uh, yeah, maybe it was a sign that we didn't have the best of the best of years either. Like you know, because like I said, some of the, the bigger, more experienced players maybe didn't have the, their uh, best seasons either. Like you know, but yeah, it's I just one of surprise. Go on, tell me, tell me something. I Tell me something I forgot, says you. No, I've no stats and I was just hoping you'd remember something. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. no, like, like I said, 2001, it's, it's, uh, yeah, it, it feels like an, an eternity ago, Carl, you yeah. know, but uh, I remember it was in the Red Cow and I remember then, um, obviously, the trophy was um, Paddy Cole's uh, memorial and, yeah, proud of winning it because uh, I suppose that was the connection that brought me to Rovers in the first place was uh, Paddy's daughter, so to win the trophy it was presented by her and uh, yeah proud like you know I remember Noel Hunt won it a couple of years later same thing you're thinking it's nice like you know that the water for connection with the club and everything like that as well so um, there kind of always has been one with Jim Beglin actually lived on my road as well and stuff so it uh yeah, it's always had a connection, so I wonder who will be the next one from Waterford. But uh, I, I don't think they'll thank me for saying that. But uh, that's that. That look, they always did have a connection, like you know. So, um, there might be another one or two pop up along the way as well. I'm sure you remember Rico's program notes, though. <laughs> I do, <laughs> I do. Yeah, a uh, bit of a, a bit of it now would have went over my head even then. I think I would have got a, a, a better giggle off it uh, second and third time round at Rovers because, yeah, the older lads in the dressing room, I suppose, would have been taking the mick and stuff out of, out of uh, the language used and stuff by Damien. But obviously he was trying to wind people up more than anything else, I think, and, uh, yeah, give people something to something to moan about. And uh, everyone had to get their dictionary out when they, they got home and stuff. So, but... Uh, he was actually really he's very good for me to be honest Carl. like you know as a, as a young player coming into the league he actually that year gave a lot of younger players a chance and even I mentioned Noel Hunt and stuff as well um, would have been probably two or three years later but no you know you know, like he, he, he would have been the one that um, 
that uh, got brought into the club originally, then loaned it back to Waterford. But even the likes of Richie Byrne and people like that at the time straight into the team. My first year, '99, there was there was a good few young players that went into the into the squad. Shane um, Jackson went in, Richie Byrne, myself. There was Pat Deans. There was there was a good few younger players, I suppose, thrown in with with with. Uh, let's say more experienced players on called them all because they were just a that bit more experienced but it was uh, yeah, it was actually really good times Carl like you know it was a brilliant time to be involved with the club and uh, I suppose playing throughout all those different grounds like Santry and Talca Daily Mount uh, even the away game in Cork and things like that and, and then to get to play in Tala and everything it's a uh, yeah, but again, a totally different player first time round. Like, which is which is something that obviously now working with the academy, I, I do watch because you see a kid play a certain way at seventeen and eighteen, and you think, well, you know, he, he still what could he be when he's twenty five? And it's, uh, it's it's totally different. Like, it changes changes as 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 people's careers progress. Like, you know, so it's um, yeah, it's interesting watching it now on the on the other side and trying to pick out, I suppose, what what kids might end up being, like you know. So you were there for five years initially, so you you saw firsthand how the Tata Stadium project just dragged on and on and on. So when Michael O'Neill yeah. brought you back in two thousand nine, you had the honour of yeah. captaining Rovers in the first ever game at Tata Stadium. So describe the day and the emotions yeah. around that okay. game. Again, like obviously as a player, you you just want to get the game on. But like I would have had memories, I suppose. Obviously, like I, I, I trained in the pitch with, yeah, with Damien and Liam Buckley. We would have trained there a couple of times before we got turfed out and told to don't come back. But it was half the stand was done and the pitch was perfect, and no one had believed that the pitch actually was perfect because no one had been inside it. But it used to be like a bowling green even when there was nothing happening in there so remember we trained a good few times in there and uh, you think you're you're close to it like you know but um, obviously we weren't and I suppose that realisation came when we moved to Rotterdam 2004 or 5 I think and that was kind of at that time it was that realisation that nothing was going to kind of change at Rovers and they cut back a little bit, uh, and uh, yeah, it was I didn't I didn't particularly want to move on, but Roddy was the manager at the time, and Drogheda uh, made an offer, and I went to Drogheda a little bit reluctantly at the time, I suppose, but to come back in 2009, I suppose having won a league and a cup as well and stuff was uh, was great, and then to leave the team out in Tallow was yeah, I couldn't have, I couldn't have rolled it any better, I suppose for. Um, yeah, for, yeah, it, it, was, it was it was an unbelievable night as well. Like I, I think we were never going to lose the match. I only watched it actually uh, a couple of weeks back. The club had it on on the Facebook, and uh, that was my memory was walking in, going, "There was no chance we were losing." Seeing a few faces that uh, that that maybe could have played the first game at Tala like Derek that you mentioned and stuff, and uh, knowing that people like that were there, and um, yeah, just. Making sure we weren't beat, weren't beaten. That was the that was the main main topic of the conversation. Making sure we won and making sure we we showed, I suppose, um, talent, the people that were there, that we were going to fight that year, and yeah, we weren't going to be a walkover anymore. Like you know, and I think that that's been the biggest thing about having your home, isn't it? That um, 
that you uh, yeah you have that like you know and we've been missing that for a few years I think we were too easy beat from 99 to yeah probably 2009 like you know that that, that, that you just we were just a team that were rolled over like you know and uh, it's it's a uh, I think the minute we moved into Salah that, that changed like you know so it's a uh, yeah which is uh, has been brilliant I suppose for the club and then you know that culminated with uh, the, I suppose the cup victory there couple of months back as well and, and hopefully we can go on and achieve even more when we do get back playing football now like you know and how are you getting on yourself during uh, the lockdown and are you staying in touch with some <laughs> of the young hoops at the academy and see how they're staying fit and active yeah 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 we have a we have a program goes out to them every every night they should be training I suppose for so three nights a week they'd have a program go out the night before for them and uh, it's been good it's been good obviously we've had to adapt pretty quick and obviously we have kids from 8 to, to, to 19 so different programs for each age group but um, it's been just been very good seeing the kids training there I suppose themselves and taking a bit of and yeah so our, our whatsapp groups are flying with with uh, different videos of the kids reporting in their sessions and everything so a lot of it is based around obviously being at home or being in a smaller space and using the wall and less uh, not so much coaching as such but getting the work in and yeah it's been good we've had to adapt ourselves as coaches but the, the players as well I think it's been good because they um, they have uh, worked on a lot of technical stuff I suppose because we're, we're, we're designing it so it's actually been very good very good and all the players have bought into it and stuff and um, yeah, it's great to be honest it's good just seeing kids in having a ball and, and playing like you know so it's um yeah they, they've they've been kept busy between school and football and um yes the rest of us are, are just missing i suppose the actual the watching of the football isn't it like you know i'm sure they can't wait to go back well thanks a lot for talking to us today shan no problem Cal. yes that was robo um what do you think uh, i'm i'm really interested in that here he was talking about so you, do you know what i just can't get over Seeing Robbo in his stint at Rovers that I saw, I cannot imagine him as a pacey winger <laughs> hugging the touchline and running all day. No offence to him now. He totally changed. He's morphed. His game has morphed into a different style. Yeah, someone had told me he, he moved into centre midfield pretty early on. I didn't actually realise it was, wasn't until Drogheda. So yeah, he was a winger for those five years. I just can't imagine it. I really can't. Mm. But uh, yeah, no, great stuff mm. from Robbo as usual. And, he was um, only 21 when he won that award. Uh, same age as Brandon Mealy. Baz would have been a teenager, so he's probably the, the youngest. Oh, have you got stats on our youngest ever senior I, player of the year? I don't know about youngest. Probably was youngest ever. I was only kind of looking at since the turn of the century. I was kind of thinking, who's the youngest? Um, I asked him about the first game at Tala, his speech in the huddle beforehand. We read out on the show. I think during the Tata Stadium saga, especially yeah. was very inspirational. Yeah. Inspirational. All talking people about who weren't here, yeah. who won't see it. Yeah, like Jack Wilson and people who should have seen Nipper that. Nipper Nolan, people like yeah. that. Some excellent, excellent stuff. Yeah, so that was Robbo. Great, uh, great. He's keeping all the the academy players active as well with their, their notes and emails every day and all. So it's it's essential stuff. So. Yeah, so we'll move on with some quick plugs before we go. The SRFC branded Seconda watches back is talking. Mine is still in the box. Haven't worn it because it's a special occasion watch. And I have to get some links taken out of it as well. But um, 
really, really. I, I don't know if I want to wear it. Like, watches are to be worn. Is there a point in letting it sit away in a box? I'm going to wear it eventually, but I have to pick the right time. Are you going to wear it to, like, a family-related event or some oh. football-related event? I think it might be my football watch. Yeah. I might do that, but then again, I bring that in the way there. It's going to get hockeyed off a rock or something. Well, I've seen Fall what happens. on a terrace. I've seen what happens to your new runners. Yes. At away games, so don't bring the watch. Yeah, probably the best bet, yeah. Something hard and made of glass and that scratches easily probably not a good idea to bring <laughs> if you want to keep it intact on the way trip or an away bus to Derry particularly the 50s bus which could be potentially overcrowded so yeah that's the that watches back in stock I guarantee you by the time the show comes out that's our stock they were flying yeah. out already I guarantee it's our stock um, yeah the new range of iconic t-shirts coming soon and these I'm going to say possibly oh, is this the, with the silhouettes this the silhouettes yeah, possibly excellent. the coolest Rovers t-shirts ever yeah I had a sneak peek there look amazing I actually can't think of any other jerseys or t-shirts that were nicer or cooler cooler is probably the thing they're not it's, you wouldn't say oh Jesus they're gorgeous you'd say oh that's that, that's a lovely thing you say that is like fucking legitimate it's deadly it really is a cool fucking Wait and you see these lads. They're gonna sell, gonna sell out. Um, so you have like iconic scenes like Twiggy celebrating the balls gold, Flynn are getting red cards. Yeah. Uh, just just loads gonna come out. That has, is that the first time in history somebody being red carded is has made a T-shirt? Uh, I think so. Jippo's <laughs> getting rooted up the hole. It's definitely worth a T-shirt. Just because of what happened following it, that's what made it all made it brilliant. But um, yeah, so that's it pretty much for this week. We have a massive quiz in the works as well, like we spoke about earlier on, which I'm really looking forward to. Always a bit of crack, a couple of drinks, and hopefully, hopefully we can it'll be interactive as well. So there's more to come, so stay tuned. But um, yeah, if you feel like you need to get in touch with us, you know where to get us. We're at East End Pod on Twitter, Riley Parsons on Facebook, Taste from East End on Instagram, and uh, that's pretty much it for this week. So um, stay safe. And keep on hoping. See ya.